All right, everyone, welcome back to The Lounge. Today, we are so pleased to have with us one of the world's top entertainment managers and executives. He's the founder of Music World Entertainment, one of the most renowned music and entertainment conglomerates in the world. He's also been instrumental in shaping the careers of several huge entertainers, the biggest entertainers on the planet. Uh, He's a professor at Texas Southern University, where he teaches courses on entertainment industry and entrepreneurship. And of course, he's just released his latest book, Racism from the Eyes of a Child. We are so pleased to have him here with us today. So please welcome to the lounge, Dr. Matthew Knowles. How are you today, Matthew? I'm good. How are you doing today, Jeff? You know, I'm doing great. A little snow up here in Boston, but can't really complain. Well, I love Boston. I love Boston. Um, I come up sometimes, and uh, uh, what's the uh, music uh, university? Uh, Berkeley. Berkeley, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, probably been up there four or five times to guest lecture. Well, that's great. We'll uh, certainly get together and talk again next time you're up. Yeah, I would love that. You know, I just finished reading your new book, Racism from the Eyes of a Child, and I think it gives such an incredible and powerful commentary, uh, but it also gives us a much greater understanding of how you got to where you are today. Can you talk a little bit about your purpose for the book and what inspired you to write it? Thanks for that, Jeff. This is my second book. You know, my first one was The DNA of Achievers, 10 Traits of Highly Successful People. Um, and then literally halfway through the book, um, I had a strategy that I, uh, I'm, you know, really focusing on writing now. That's one of the things you do as an educator. Uh, I teach at Texas Southern uh, University, as you know. Uh, and so I, I wanted, first of all, to position myself as an author. Uh, I didn't want to talk about music uh, in, in a general sense. I touched on it here and there, but really wanted to talk on some really important topics that I felt. And, and one, uh, growing up in a little small town in Gaston, Alabama, um, you know, when I grew up, it was about 25,000 people. Uh, you know, it was really being the first, I didn't go to any black schools. I'm born in 1952 and uh, being one of the first in junior high, one of the first blacks in, in Gaston High, the same high school that Roy Moore, Judge Roy Moore graduated from. Wow. Um, and then being one of the first blacks at University of Tennessee, uh, I wanted to talk about an important subject uh, that's right now with us in America, and that's racism. Uh, And I wanted to talk about and just share my story, my story of how racism has impacted uh, and, uh, you know, been a part of my life, Uh, the trauma that I feel and I had to get help for myself by going to therapy to really deal with that racial trauma. You know, know, men, men and women come back from the war. And, and we, you know, we give them help. But folks don't understand that those of us that grew up in the South that had to go through this racism and segregation, and, uh, it's just as traumatic. You know, I would encourage you guys to visit MatthewKnowles.com and read some of these excerpts for yourself because these are areas that unfortunately don't get talked about, uh, but they're so important. Absolutely. And uh, they're part of our society today. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we you know, I talk about things that people aren't comfortable. That's what I do as a college professor is, you know, I want to 
allow my students to have a perspective on life. Uh, and I want to hear people's perspective on things like colorism, uh, when we discriminate uh, inter externally and internally, we discriminate, discriminate because of someone's shade of color. Um, you know, I want to talk about eroticized rage, that rage and anger that a lot of black men have. Uh, and they, they voice that anger through their relationship with white women so that they can gain back their power. I wanted to talk about uh, those type of important dialogues. I know the media has sort of been blowing up about a comment you made on Good Morning Britain about Beyonce and colorism. You know, a lot of folks took that the wrong way and, and took the soundbite without reading a book or getting a context. Uh, it's just, it's not a negativity because our our men and women, our black men and women are all beautiful. It's just the fact that research that my students have done, uh, it's research that has been done that, that colorism exists in the music industry, especially at, at pop radio. Uh, there's not many women of darker color that's had the opportunity to go from uh, urban radio to pop radio. And there's a reason for that. I'm sure a lot of you have been hearing about these sound bites that we're talking about, um, but hopefully it sparks a larger conversation, right? Exactly. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to spark an honest dialogue uh, between all nationalities. And, and this is not just a U.S. issue. You know, and one of the things with racism is it, it wants to erase our, our, erase our history. Um, and it's important that we never erase our history. Yet some of us don't even know our history, don't even know, knew it exists a colored and uh, white water fountain and bathroom and segregated restaurants and the things that folks my age growing up in the South had to go through to be here today so that we all have an equal opportunity. So that's why I wanted to write the book also is to, to share some history with my reader. And thank you for having the courage to do that. And your book really got me thinking more about you and about your story, Matthew, uh, which is such a phenomenal one. Uh, one of the topics you talk about is how coming clean with yourself is such an important thing. Can you share a little bit more about that with us? Yeah, well, sure. That you know, in writing this book, I had to be vulnerable, uh, and I believe in my vulnerability lies my safety. Uh, and I share that I've been in therapy uh, for years, and actually, I saved my life. I really believe, had I not, uh, I would not be alive today. Uh, and I wanted to be open about that, especially because I believe black men uh, have this 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 fantasy that, you know, therapy is something for weakness or not for black people, but that's, that's incorrect. Uh, we, we all could use some form of, of therapy. Uh, and for me, you know, I was, you know, because of my trauma, because when I was growing up, I wanted to always prove something because I was made to feel less than. Uh, that I was always compulsive, compulsive in everything I, I did from work to every aspect of my life compulsive. Uh, and that's what I really got to understand and realize the reasons why that compulsivity exists within me. Now, do you look back after writing this book and think about some specific experiences that maybe were the most instrumental in forming who you are today? Yes. You know, I, I, I uh, 
I, I talk about, and I really, a lot of research was done. I, I didn't really know my grandparents or, or great-grandparents uh, on my father's side at all. Uh, didn't know, I knew my grandmother and grandfather on my mother's side, but didn't know or remember their sisters and brothers or, or my great-grandfather. So, you know, I grew up in a in family of entrepreneurs, uh, hardworking people. And uh, that makes me really proud. I wanted to share uh, with Beyonce and Solange and my grandkids that they knew where they came from. Uh, and, and that was important to me, to leave that, that legacy of knowledge. And I think you've succeeded in doing just that, Matthew. Um, it's a powerful read, and I hope you'll all go and pick it up. I think you'll get a lot from it. Um, but speaking of entrepreneurship, I know you just launched your Matthew Knowles Institute, which I'd love to hear more about. Yeah, I, I, I have. At Texas Southern University, um, it's the Matthew Knowles Institute for Entrepreneurship, Entertainment, and Music Business. And in general, overall business, uh, if you go to tsu.knowlesinstitute.com, I'll take you directly to the Texas Southern uh, website and directly to my institute. We have about 30 classes. Uh, And then for a broader range, you can just go to knowlesinstitute.com. And there's more courses that are offered, different types of courses. But uh, my passion today is to educate and to motivate. Uh, and that's my true passion. Uh, I've been given and grateful of all the success that I've had in music and that my family had, but my passion today is very, very clear to me. Uh, and I'm really, really uh, enjoying this point of my life. That sounds like an awesome program, and we'll be sure to put those in the show notes. And Matthew, as you talk about your passions, can you share a little bit more about the importance of passion in the entertainment business or really in entrepreneurship in general? Well, I truly believe, and and again, you know, this is in my first book, those 10 traits that I think that highly successful people have, it starts with passion. Uh, Passion is that thing that excites you, that fuels you, that motivates you. It's that thing you go to bed at night thinking of, that thing you wake up in the morning. Uh, you don't put a time to it, and you're right. When you live your passion, you I feel you don't work. Um, but it coexists with something. A second trait, and that's work ethics. So you can't have someone with extreme work ethics that's not extremely passionate, and vice versa. So they coexist with each other. And, and in order, you know, and I, I say this to my students, to my staff, to folks in music, let it be your passion, not your mother's, your father, your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, friend. Let it be your passion because I've seen many people go do something because somebody else wanted them to do it and it never works out. Awesome advice right there. And Matthew, if it's cool with you, I'd love to open things up a little bit and get into some more advice and insight for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be just fine. I, I love talking about uh, my my path in music, uh, my path in life. 
speaking about your path, uh, you've also talked about the experience and the mindset of being the best at something. Uh, Most people associate you with Destiny's Child and Beyonce, but they don't know uh, that before you were on top of the music industry, you were the top salesperson at Xerox Medical, uh, another completely different field. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the mindset and how that carried over for you? Well, again, it goes back to passion. It goes back to knowledge. Uh, You know, I'll give an example quickly. Uh, When I was at Xerox, I was there for 10 years. Uh, I only sold copiers one year. And another year, I was a trainee in the engineering division. Uh, And then there there came this opportunity uh, for a position called uh, sales with zero radiography. Well, I asked the general manager, could I, could I, interview for it. He laughed. He thought I didn't have enough experience. Um, Probably thought I'd be the only black person in that division. Maybe not. This was the high end of sales at Xerox, the medical division. But what they did know is that I went to the library for a month to learn everything I could about breast cancer. And so when I interviewed, I was one of the few people, if not the only one, that didn't walk in there saying, hey, you know, I've been here 10 years, and hey, I've been top sales rep. Uh, I, I came in and I said, hey, I was a top trainee for a year. I was a top sales rep for a year. And let me tell you about breast cancer and zero radiography. And it impressed them because I had done my research. And I say that, again, because successful people consistently do their research. Successful people make informed decisions, not emotional decisions. Let me say that again. Successful people make informed decisions, not emotional ones. Now, how can our listeners take some of these traits of successful people and relate that back to the music industry? This is consistent and and with successful people. And I've met a lot of people that are highly, highly successful. And they all have these same traits, you know, uh, Building a team, you know, successful people realize it's not I, it's we. You have to have a team around you in this music industry. And it starts with your manager. That's where it starts, is having a really effective manager because that person has to take your vision and and turn it into reality, successful reality. But that person has to manage all of these pieces from the record label, has to know everything about what everybody does at the record label and their job, has to manage the entertainment attorney, has to manage your booking agents, has to manage your publishing company, your merchandise company. You know, that's a key and critical position. Uh, starts with that manager. How can aspiring artists be real with themselves and know when it's time to take that next step and start doing things like building a team? Well, I, I you know, I shoot what I, I said before we started. I'm just, I just do me. I, I shoot very, very straight. Everybody doesn't have great music. Uh, everybody is not a great artist yet. The key word is yet. Uh, and, and sometimes that's a, a reason for failure because in your mind, you think you're there when in fact you're far away from being there. And my suggestion is put up a video, put up a song on simply YouTube and see what type of comments you get and see how many hits you get. And it'll tell you the audience will never lie to you. When you're performing and everybody has their arms folded and legs 
crossed, they might not be filling you. If they don't give you a standing ovation, then that's my measurement of was it great or not. You get a standing ovation. It's a lot of moving parts for success. It's if you're having a vocal coach, even if you're a rapper, a vocal coach can help you breathe, can help you in your breathing techniques. So don't think just because you're a rapper that you don't need a vocal coach. Uh, you need someone, especially a female, in imaging because we're in a visual world today. We first see you before we hear you. Absolutely. But it sounds like you'd still say the backbone of everything that you do as an artist is that great music, right? Well, at first, at first it starts with a song, it ends with a song. Mm. Uh, you can be the greatest singer, the greatest look, but if your song is whack, it equals whack. I love that line. It is so true. Um, now, I'd love to get your thoughts on taking calculated risks as an artist. A lot of you probably don't know that Matthew has a PhD in strategic management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and an MBA. I have to give a shout out to Cornerstone Christian and Bible College, where where I uh, got my degree. There we go. Absolutely. I love to hear that. Um, and it's, you know, that sort of strategic mindset. How can artists use that to their advantage? Well, my, my view is, is that every highly successful artist, let me tell you the numbers. You know, sure. I, I know, I, typically, in a major record labels around the world, there's somewhere around 35,000 albums. Uh, and that's kind of reduces we're not putting out as many albums um, and not selling certainly as many albums because we're in a streaming world now. But there's a calculation that we use. 1,500 streams equal an album. So we still can calculate it as an album. Sure. Now, only 1%, 1%, so if it's 35,000, that's 350 that are successful and make a profit. 350 out of 35,000. And you have the, the 34,000 and some art, they all think they're great. Yeah. They all think they're great. I just want everybody to know what the real numbers are and how hard you have to work and how successful you have to be. That's why you see people one hit and then you don't hear about them again. Sure. And, and it's a whole lot of things like your personality and attitude. Uh, you know, when I'm losing my money in the record label, I want positive people that's going to be positive. Uh, doing the right thing, you know. Uh, so, you know, this risk factor for artists, though, is where I was going with this whole thing is most successful artists, artists have managers they, that help them, you know, look at this risk and calculate the risk. It's not the artist that's calculating the risk. The artists are doing what artists need to do, and that's in the studio, that's rehearsing, practicing, 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 and trusting their team. That's another reason for failure. Artists want to be managers. They want to have a clothing line. They want to be a songwriter, producer, and, and it doesn't work like that. It's about the team, right? You have to surround yourself. You have to build a great team. Absolutely. The people that are successful, look at them. I mean, don't take my word for it. Research them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have a great team around them. 
It's so true. Uh, and on a similar note, I'd love to hear some common mistakes that you see artists or their teams making. Well, thinking that it's uh, and a belief that it's a microwave success. Um, you know, there you will make mistakes. You will fail. I can list people from Alicia Keys that got dropped off of Columbia, Columbia Records. 50 Cent got dropped off of Columbia Records. Destiny's Child got dropped off of Electra Records. I can go on and on. These are like highly successful people, but they failed and they made mistakes. And I always say that, you know, failure and mistakes are opportunity to grow, not a reason to quit. And so that's one of the things is that a lot of artists quit too soon because they're thinking it's going to be instant microwave success. I always say it's going to take about six years from the time you start to the time you start getting a little traction and making a little money in this business. It takes time to do this. It takes time. You don't become a great basketball player when you're in junior high school. It just doesn't happen. And by the way, Michael Jordan didn't make his 10th grade basketball team, <laughs> the greatest basketball player in the world. He didn't give up. He had his dad that supported him. Uh, you know, so those are the examples that I tell artists is that this is not going to happen instantly, microwave. So true, and I hope that everyone is taking those words to heart. Uh, and finally here, Matthew, I like to ask all of our guests the same question, and it happens to be a question about success. So I'll ask you, how do you define success? I can tell you how I define success at 40, well, I have to go <laughs> younger, how I define success at 30, and how I define find it at 50 and now at 66 how I define uh, it it's totally different yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know at 66 I, I, I define success as happiness happiness um, um, financial freedom um, but happiness um, seeing my my kids uh, Beyonce and Solange and my grandkids uh, successful in business and, and and accolades and what they've accomplished and their accomplishments, but how they went about doing it, uh, that's success. You know, when I was earlier, it was about, hey, how much money I made and hey, how much, uh, you know, trophies do I have? And, you know, that's, to me, is not my sole definition of success. I think, uh, you know, not think, but for me now, spirituality um, and having that is success. So it's being a total, a total person, um, being respectful when there's a person that's homeless, uh, helping, giving as you can. Sometimes that just can be a hug or just a hello. Uh, that's all in my definition of success is giving back to others is part of success. I love that answer, and Matthew, it's been so amazing learning more about your journey and your story uh, and you sharing your insight with us. Uh, so I want to thank you again for coming on, and can you share with us where our listeners can connect with you online? Well, just just go to MatthewKnowles.com, and that's spelled with one T, Matthew, uh, and you can find out everything I'm doing from social media uh, to books to I do a lot of public speaking. 
uh, you could find all of that out. And, uh, you know, I, I love what I do every day. I wake up and people ask me, well, why are you smiling? And I always say, I get to live my dream every day. There you go. Every day I get to live my dream. Uh, who would have guessed this little country boy uh, that lived on a dirt road, that had an outside facility, uh, would ever accomplish this? Whoever would have thought? But I did. And I had parents that thought I could. I had people around me that thought I could, and I've made mistakes. Uh, when I make a mistake, the whole world knows it, so I've, I've made some <laughs> mistakes. Uh, but again, you know, I didn't give up. It's, do you stay on the canvas, or do you pick yourself up and, and give it your best? That's the difference also of success, is how you react in failure. Absolutely. There's some words for us to live by right there. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Well, thank you, and thank you, and also to your audience, thank you for all the support you've given my family. God bless you.